Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel this week, which includes Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna, thanks for being here. Good morning, Matt and Robert. Oh, it's good to have you back. Jorna was gone last week. We missed I know. her. I missed you all, too. Yes, well, Robert. <laughs> Kevin Kane was very similar to Jorna. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. It's the blonde hair. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, Robert Craig uh, has already chimed in. Robert is the executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning. So, we are post-Thanksgiving. I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving, and I want to thank all the folks who uh, went up to Kohler over the Thanksgiving or have contributed uh, donations to the strikers, the UAW strikers up at Kohler. We've talked about it on the podcast, and I want to remind our listeners to continue. If you haven't, uh, please feel free to go, uh, go make a donation or stop by and support those strikers, because this looks like it could be a long-haul situation. I sent money and food, and Matt, you've actually been up on the picket line. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, actually, uh, very proud of my son. I think I mentioned this last week, but he did his for a service project, took, actually filled an entire car with food and donations from our neighborhood up on Sunday um, as part of a service project he was doing uh, with Rufus King High School. So I'm um, very proud that he chose that project. Um, so with that, though, we are going to have our first topic be about the Wisconsin economy. And uh, as we record Thursday morning, some news broke around our household income in Wisconsin taking an incredibly, quite frankly, a shocking uh, downturn uh, since 2009. And these figures are fairly, are completely widespread across the uh, state. In fact, I believe two-thirds of the counties experienced uh, a significant downturn. And, and yes, this... Uh, this uh, downturn was felt throughout the nation, but was particularly acute in Wisconsin. And this uh, is in the broader context of um, Wednesday, Assembly Democrats had a uh, media conference and called for an extraordinary session on jobs, and in particular, wanting to address the complete dysfunction and failure at WEDEC and uh, start to talk about what a good job strategy would look like. So with that, I want to throw it to the panel um, and First, get your response and any thoughts on the numbers, but then also on, you know, the, the Democrats' call, of course, to really try to get this focus back on jobs. Jorna? Well, the numbers are obviously appalling, and across the state, it's at least, it looks like 5% down from 2009 at, at a minimum, and up in Vilas County, where the median income isn't as high as it may be in southeastern Wisconsin to begin with, it's over 13% down from 2009. That really hits home in a lot of people's pocketbooks, and... You know, we have our governor running around across the state saying how, oh, but we're not paying attention to the good things that are happening and, and all of the jobs that I'm creating and how wonderful I'm being. But these numbers actually don't lie. And, you know, people who are getting laid off and people who can't put food on their tables are, are probably going to take some issue with the governor. Uh, you know, as for the special session, Republicans aren't going to call for a special session to fix things like, I don't know, the jobs crisis in Wisconsin. They'd really rather have an extraordinary session for things like gutting the Government Accountability Board and destroying campaign finance laws. You know, the important issues in our state. Bathroom, transgender bathrooms. Um, yeah. yeah. And to be clear, Walker uh, did uh, state yesterday that he thinks we don't need to do anything. And wanted to praise the unemployment rate being down, Robert. I'm sure you're impressed. 
Yeah, the unemployment rate is a very minimal measure. It doesn't say anything about the Come quality on, of jobs down, that Robert. people have, and it says nothing about all the people who are discouraged and are out of the workforce altogether. More people working for less. We're winning. Right, and not even, you know, doesn't even, yeah, more people, it's not even that. It's, it's worse than that. It's both, there's a quantity problem and a quality problem. And look, there are a lot of big things coming home to roost here. Uh, there is our whole approach to the gl to global trade, which is going to be a big issue in the, in the presidential election. There is the ridiculous adolescent conservative idea that we save money by privatizing jobs and making them low-wage jobs. So when you attack public employees like teachers in Act 10, when you encourage privatization of public education vouchers where the teachers are paid much less and they're much less skilled, all of those little things, they're called savings and they're celebrated, actually take money out of the economy, take money out of families' pockets. They spend less in their communities, which reduces the number and the quality of jobs. And so there's this downward cycle that occurs because the thing that causes economic prosperity is people having enough money to afford the basics and get ahead. And move up uh, to the middle class and then beyond. And that's what we're losing. And so it's, it would be silly to say this is all because of Governor Walker's policies, but he's made it worse. And most importantly, he has no strategy whatsoever to build out of it and to rebuild economic opportunity. And so we have been saying repeatedly, we have an economic opportunity agenda, which Brian will post again, where we start out giving all of the numbers, right? All of the numbers of decline that go beyond these current census numbers. We know that Wisconsin's middle class has shrunk more than any middle class in the country of all 50 states uh, since 2000. And that's since 2000, okay? So it's not only Walker, but Walker's made it worse. And then furthermore, uh, all of the jobs almost that we are creating in terms of certain new jobs are poverty wage, low income jobs, and all the jobs we lost during the Great Recession were middle class jobs. And there is no strategy. And so when we get to WEDEC, it's great. I want to compliment uh, Representative Barca and Senator Lassa for saying we need to repeal and replace WEDEC. But the next question is, will the new thing, the uh, Department of Economic Opportunity, will it actually have a strategy where all of the money we spend in economic development is focused on the things that would expand opportunity the most, period. Wanna and point we out, have none of that right I want, now. I want to point out that the data shows, uh, you mentioned Florence, Jorna, but that the rural areas are being particularly impacted, right? And a lot of these areas actually vote Republican and, and are in many ways supporting legislators who you know kind of support a lot of the failed strategies Roberts talked about want to highlight one of those uh, we had a sort of a microcosm play out this week uh, Johnson Controls um, announced this week that they're predicting record profits in 2016 and just to be clear this is a company we just talked about I believe a week ago maybe it was two weeks ago for laying off 277 employees here in, in Wisconsin um, while they're receiving a million dollars from WEDEC so not only you know this is an incredibly successful obviously global corporation that's on the dole with WEDEC right and and while they're cutting jobs it just it shows that there is a complete lack of a clear strategy to create family-supporting jobs, right? Because you wouldn't have a policy that somehow would, would support things like that if that was your, your number one objective. 
There's also a complete lack of humanity among these corporate leaders who can slash jobs and cut wages just to line their pockets with, how much do you need? I mean, listen, I got two horses, so it's not like I'm one to throw stones here, but you know, how much do you really need at the expense of other people? And all of these economic summits and meetings that go on around the state that Walker or his various minions at Weedeck are involved in, I guarantee you, because I've sat in on some of them and watched someone in Wisconsin Eye, declining income, that income has gone down 7%, doesn't even come up at all. In fact, the, uh, the one, one Senate me, uh, here, uh, meeting that one of the, the Senate committee in charge of WEDEC put on, literally the discussion was so banal, it was literally about how can we make areas cooler so well-educated young people will stay here instead of moving elsewhere. So what that tells you is the strategy is to insource cool young people with high incomes, not to do anything about the quality of jobs for all the people in Wisconsin who are here who aren't all cool, well-educated young people. Trying to say Wisconsinites aren't cool, Robert. Well, yeah. it could, if you like cheese heads on your hat and, and <laughs> Packer oh, uh, gangrene, uh, then sure. So but, proud of us. By the way, I want to point out, uh, Johnson Controls didn't just cut those jobs. They actually outsourced those jobs, and that's worth pointing out. And uh, kudos to, again, Senator Dave Hansen for pointing that out, but also continuing to, to have legislation to get rid of the outsourcing, right? We, there's, there's absolutely no reason we should be doing this. We could eliminate it today if we, if oh, we would just pass. It's super simple. It's Senator Hansen's bill says, and uh, it's Representative Jorgensen and Colsty in the Assembly with the companion bill, says literally if you take economic development development money, job creation money from the state, and then you outsource, you are banned from getting money for five years. It's really simple, but uh, there are a growing number of incidents where companies are turning around and outsourcing more jobs uh, than we paid them to create. And Matt says this doesn't amount to a strategy. It does in a certain sense, right? The strategy is that if we help well-connected CEOs, that will do good things. So the reason WEDEC doesn't hold any companies accountable is because that's not the goal. This is sort of like a, we make them happy and then good things will occur in our state kind of philosophy. That's a conservative philosophy and things will trickle down, though they don't. They move out of the state as we're talking. And you know, talking about some of the press coverage on the household income going down, there's some good coverage in the Wisconsin media. What you'll notice about it is, is, is that there, the description of the economy in it, in these articles, uh, is depeopled. What I mean is, no one did anything. There are just these big trends that are awful and so sorry, so bad, and people are sad, and there aren't any good jobs. It's like no one did anything. The system was rigged, is being rigged against average people, and needs to be rigged in their favor. And so we need to understand the economy is not a river, it is not a stream, it is not uh, the wind, it is a human-constructed thing. Well, Robert, that's why when Governor Walker's confronted with all this, he just says, look, I don't think we should do anything to solve this, right? Because there's it's nothing bad weather. Can do. What can <laughs> we do? Batten down the hatches. Madison will only ma rack it up, right? So anyways. Nothing should be done, but anything that good that happens, I did it, I did it, I did it. <laughs> so, Vote for me. So with, <laughs> with that, 
I wish all the folks could have seen Robert's animation that that went along with that, but we are just a lowly podcast. So we are going to switch gears and talk a little bit about the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Again, we record Thursday, which means today is the day. This is really exciting because it doesn't have... Wait, it's... Actually it's happens. It's happened sixteenth millionth time. Sixteenth time <laughs> in the Senate that Republicans are going to vote to repeal Obamacare. The National Associated Press story says a gazillion times. So apparently, this is now well, you know, passing right. the uh, style guide for Associated Press. Well, let me just let me just say that the House has probably done it a gazillion times. The Senate has only gotten around to it sixteen times. So again, um, Senator Ron Johnson. Our senator will be voting Our for fair this. Senator. And and let's remember, right, there's no real plan to replace this. We're talking about cutting about 16 million people off of what is quality health care. We all understand that there's a lot of things that need to be done around costs, but we ought to be focusing on that and trying to make those improvements instead of voting for the 16th time to repeal. Oh, that's not true. Doing the people's business, not only in Wisconsin, but also in D.C. You know, I forget where I read the other day um, a study that since the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, just how much emergency room visits are down and how, you know, they're less stressed and that folks are actually able to get care when they need it, not at the absolute last minute when there's no other option but to go to the emergency room. So, so yeah, United States Senate and Senator Johnson, you just get right in there and you vote against this Affordable Care Act and vote to repeal. Good work. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Robert looks pensive and (laughs) Robert is thinking. Thoughts are about to come out. Here they come. Well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why? So we have also, since Matt brought up uh, Senator Johnson, Senator Johnson has been especially childish on the Affordable Care Act of late, and I'm not just talking about his ridiculous God, lawsuit. That op-ed is awesome, Robert. He wrote the most coherent, defensive reveal. But he's saying, and PolitiFact actually said this was true, <laughs> that since only 4.5% of Wisconsinites are getting subsidies on the exchange, it therefore harms everyone else on the federal marketplace. And here's what the senator can't seem to comprehend. The major transformation is that there is a backup system for everyone, where everyone has somewhere to go for health care no matter what. So even if someone now is 35 years old and has a good job and is healthy, they might not be when they're 45 years old. And this seems to be a too complicated a concept uh, for the senator. And he wants literally to have a situation where if you don't have good insurance at work or anything happens to you, like you get a major disease or accident, then you are on your own unless the insurance company decides you are insurable. Oh, oh, wait a minute. So if next year, let's this is a hypothetical situation. Let's say I'm working for Senator Johnson and he loses next November. And he's he, trying to take away health care. He is up from for election. <laughs> I might actually lose my health care and might need to go on the exchange and it would be there for me? No. No? No. But that might happen. I could possibly lose that election. If the senator was to suffer a reverse, let's say he is uh, invested in in real estate that's now being flooded by global warming or something, put all his money there, the senator himself could then go to the marketplace and get coverage, no matter what. And so... That you have that. You also have the fact that this is a it's amazing. The Republican strategy was to partisanize this and to try to knock the affordable care act out of the box and to create this Tea Party movement against it before it could get established. 
their t smarter strategists know darn well that now that you're taking health care away from people, this is a nightmare politically for them, yet they're still, they, because they created this movement and create, made this a defining ideological and political issue, they still feel bound to move forward with repeal, whereas the public, even Republicans, who, uh, who who believe all of this this stuff about Obamacare that's been they've been lied to about still think we should move beyond this wasteful debate and improve the law and work on cost and so ultimately if we play our cards right they will be blamed for cost because they're the ones who won't move forward and want to fight a five year old debate over and over and over again and this is the greatest example you can have that the conservative movement in our country is not a governing movement it is about throwing a wrench in the machine. Period, and that, and so as we see on the Affordable Care Act, nothing can be done on health care um, except trying to repeal what is a common sense, fundamental reform that everyone has somewhere to go, no matter what, to get health care. Discrimination is banned, and they want to go backwards on that. I want to point out to our listeners an excellent article that talks about the situation that the Republicans are in on prescription drug prices because Robert one of the things the the only area they really get grist is right we know that while we've expanded access we still have serious cost issues that we need to get on and and prescription drugs are one of those and this article points out how Republicans are in a really rough spot because this is becoming the defining issue and Republicans themselves Republican voters actually would like government and support government intervention to bring down costs in fact Republicans care more about that than they do Obama Obamacare, repealing Obamacare, and they've got nothing to offer policy-wise to address what's going on. So this is an issue that, quite frankly, I think is we're going to be hearing a lot more from, and it really puts them in a difficult position because it kind of exposes both their fraudulent position on drug prices, but but healthcare broadly. So uh, right. really encourage and, people to read that article. We'll have a link and, to it. And to, to understand the situation with the drug companies, we pay 40% more than we need to if we just negotiate as a whole. Other countries on average pay 40% less. So you can imagine the impact on that on people's household income, et cetera. And this is because the drug lobby, pharma, is incredibly powerful. In fact, they were so powerful during the debate over the Affordable Care Act, they essentially ran an extortion racket where they said, we will run Harry and Louise side's ads against uh, the Affordable Care Act unless you leave drug companies and their costs and negotiating with them off the table. And so that was literally what happened. So they were left alone, and then and now they're being uh, purchased, uh, their venture capital capitalists involved who are then raising drug prices tremendously, which is simply like the same kind of scandals we have in outsourcing, where it, it, it leads to public rage. Uh, but Republicans get most of the campaign money uh, that comes from pharma. They don't ideologically agree that we should regulate them, but they agree in giving them a monopoly where they get long patents and where they can control something, even when the federal government pay the public, in other words, paid for the development of the drug for the most part, and then they can go and charge exorbitant rates. I mean, it is stunning. And so this is the kind of issue we need to push on because, as Matt pointed out, and, this, and the uh, article he's pointing out points out, they can't get out of this situation. They're in a box. And so uh, Democrats need to be running on this issue and they need and have the guts to because there are plenty of Democrats bought off by pharma as well at the national level. And then they need to have real solutions. And so we'll be talking about that more. But this is just like outsourcing. This is an absolutely dynamite issue. And I think there are a lot of uh, uh, Democrats in the legislature who understand that we've been talking to. So I'm not mean to say that they will not, but I'm just saying that this is a golden opportunity. Okay, Robert's going to take a breath now. Jorna, we're going to switch topics here. To my favorite. Y 
Paul Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. Ryan Watch. So, Paul Ryan, our lovely congressman who is now speaker, speaker of the house Ryan. right who's uh, sporting a beard this week i oh, see yeah he is yes, he doesn't know that november is done it's it never ends in the ryan household <laughs> and ryan today thursday made his big speech a big new speech coming out uh, as house speaker and the big news is that he has no interest in working with president obama we knew that so that wasn't news but he is ready to go back on the assault again against medicare and medicaid he's going after it gonna gut it not gonna do it he's gonna come after it uh this doesn't seem very wise uh for republicans to be going after uh health care again it's like they're already uh, repealing the affordable care act and now they want to go after medicare and medicaid jorna what is he thinking you're you know him oh yeah we're besties <laughs> we are absolutely besties we hang out a lot uh you know i i think that for me the the assault uh the paul ryan assault on poor people is once again back in full swing you know he took a breath for just a few minutes to try and bring some coalitions together in Congress as he was elected speaker, but as a Bloomberg article points out this week, eh, conservatives have said meh to his leadership style, and they're not exactly impressed yet at what he's doing. Well, uh, it's a pretty much uh, impossible position, I would assume, to be in charge of the House. Uh, w one other thing that is important to point out, Paul Ryan, when he made these comments right around Medicare and Medicaid or hinting that he was going to go after them, he's really doing this as a way to say somehow that he's going to spark the economy, right. which goes back to our previous conversation about Republican approaches to the economy, right? This, I, I, this is insanity, right? Like he doesn't really have any strategy. And by the way, he talks about like the he never talks about jobs. He doesn't actually talk about creating good jobs. He just talks about getting the economy moving, Robert. Jorna? Well, uh, by the way, he, uh, Paul Ryan's speech, he didn't say, I'm going after Medicare and Medicaid. In other words, Matt's framing was kind of our framing. He said, I'm going to make people work who are getting public benefits because anyone who can work should. And so we need to understand that that's dog whistle politics because the image that comes up in his audience's mind is all of these people of color who are making babies and are refusing to work, right? Never mind. Uh, the lack of jobs, the lack of quality jobs, the lack of public transportation, the food share work requirement in Wisconsin has caused huge numbers of people to lose their food shares, which means what? Their kids are going hungry because they can't find a decent job in, in, the, in the Walker economy. That is what's going on. Now, if he was serious, if he actually wanted to talk about create, investing in creating the conditions where everyone who can work has an opportunity to work, that's a different matter. But that's not what they're about. They're about blaming people and dividing people and making middle-class people whose income is going down dramatically because of their policies, right, believe that the problem is those lazy other people who are just taking food shares and living a life of luxury on uh, the alleged hammock, a former Paul Ryan uh, uh, claim, of our of our social support system, which is no hammock at all. It's, it just keeps you alive. Well, and then he, you know, throws out things like he's going to push for changes in mental health 
and after the Colorado shooting at the Planned Parenthood clinic, and he tries to seem like he's reasonable and benevolent and doing things for people in need when that's bullshit. Sorry, I don't know mm-hmm. if we can say that on the podcast, but uh, <laughs> you say it all the time, right, Jorno? Um, you know, I just I think that it is going to be a short run for Paul Ryan as speaker. Frankly, I think that he's not going to be able to maintain this coalition of you know the far right and the even further right than he is. So he'll throw him a bone here and there. I'm going to cut these entitlements. I'm going to support your efforts to cut Obamacare. And Jorna, yes, we just started Paul Ryan watching. You're already predicting its death. I am predicting its death. I give it, I give it till right after the election. It's like our first new piece on the podcast in a year and you're already killing it with the predictions. Paul Ryan, just to remind folk what, what the coalition he's trying to hold together (laughs) is. There's the establishment part. No matter how right-wing they may be, they understand there are people investing in their campaigns, large special interests, that need to be fed. And so they're willing to keep government working to the extent it does that, right? Then there's what they create in the Tea Party Rebellion, the flying monkey crazy wing <laughs> that actually doesn't care <laughs> whether... official name. Yes. No, 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 Google that. Google yes, that. and which, which doesn't care whether any of the right-wing interests that are the, and the corporate interests like pharma that are investing, they don't, they don't want to cut them off necessarily, but they just don't care. And they want to they blow up uh, our democracy, basically. They call it government, but that's our democracy. Trump Sorry, supporters, guys. folks. Yeah. Trump supporters. We're taking them on. Yes, exactly. The Mexicans will build our wall for us. And so on and so forth. It does appear that the Googles say that Robert is right. It is the flying monkey crazy right wing party. <laughs> Fantastic. I love Google. Uh, Google's just ahead of the curve. So we are going to switch gears yet again. And we're going to talk about the elections next fall. And we had an uh, important thing happen in, uh, in these elections as they relate to state legislature. And that is that state senator Rick Gudex from the Oshkosh area has determined that his his work is done. He's um, he's done cutting education. He's done kind of is done. <laughs> done gutting workers' rights and his done it's time. gutting the campaign finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, his his work is done. He will done not driving be... <laughs> incomes down across the state. Drops yeah. the mic, exits stage left. Yeah, and and so this may sound familiar because let's see what happened to the previous incumbent of the seat. I believe he was a one-termer and done. Um, here's the problem. This is a swing seat. It's a targeted seat by Democrats. It'll be one of the top targeted seats for Democrats to go after to try to change the balance in the Senate. And while it is not uh, tr- a, you know, what you might traditionally call an equal swing se- seat, it is slightly Republican, so the Democrats have a shot at it. And the problem is they keep doing policies <laughs> that these guys can't get reelected on. So this guy steps down and we'll have a new Republican who can run as a moderate. And in fact, uh, the first one who announced basically said he wants to support education, education at the, uh, the state and local level and all across the board. And I'm like thinking, here we go again. Well, but that's telling, right? Ugh. I mean, his, his now predecessor, or should he be elected? Which, dear God, please, can we get a Democrat back up in there? Um, you know, I think it's really telling that maybe we are, maybe Republicans, more moderate Republicans in more swing areas understand that 
huh, maybe that rhetoric isn't actually working quite as effectively and that people are going to pay attention in 2016, particularly in a presidential year in a state like Wisconsin, where national reports keep coming and saying that the new American majority is overwhelmingly going to turn out to the polls nationwide, which is going to be good for Democrats. So perhaps Republicans are taking note of that. I don't know. I slightly disagree with the <laughs> gentlewoman from Bayview. Um, That's true. And that is, I think they've been saying for some time that they're all for education as they got it, including Walker and his campaign, and that our side doesn't do a very good job of explaining what you have to be for in order to be for a world-class education. So uh, what also is what, true. What's the name's, what's the man's name, Matt? Uh, Dan Fayen. Yes. So uh, is Mr. Fayen going to be reducing class sizes dramatically? Is Mr. Fayen going to be investing in, uh, in teachers so that we can both retain our, our best teachers and attract more qualified people, highly qualified people to the profession? Because frank, quite frankly, the smartest kids in Wisconsin, a lot of them uh, were, were deterred in even going into teaching after the attack on Act 10. What is Mr. Fayen going to do about that, or is he just going to voucherize the state and claim he's helping education? Of course, we have no answer. I hope the reporters will ask Mr. Fayen what his actual agenda is. We'll hear about cutting red tape and all sorts of doublespeak that means nothing, probably. Look, his, he, he rolled out right away that his goal is to close the skills gap. Again, the phony skills gap. That doesn't exist. It's a, it's a wage problem, right? You've got to raise the wages if you're going to attract the workers. But Technically, there if, there was a, a skills, if there was a gap in welders... Then there is a skills gap in this sense, Matt. If you want to pay welders the minimum wage, well, you still can't get them. So, that, so if we could flood the market with welders, we could pay them the minimum wage. That is what the skills gap is about. So we're going to continue. We're going to continue to watch state legislative races as we get into next year. Obviously, the state senate is the closest of the two houses, but um, a number of those seats actually present real challenges for Democrats. So we'll continue to talk more about that as we uh, move closer to the election cycle. Um, with that. We want to actually uh, talk about some good news. Um, we want to talk about what went on in Mount Horeb yesterday evening, very briefly. Um, we talked a bit about... Is there, is there a mountain there? Is there a Mount Horeb? It's a mustard museum. Okay. We'll have to check. Um, I've always wondered. So for folks who don't know, Mount Horeb is about 30 minutes uh, southwest of Madison. It's a town about 7,000. And we've talked extensively on this podcast about... Um, the right's effort to politicize uh, transgendered students and, and, and how, what a difficult challenge that is for an individual to go through. And so there was um, an issue in Mount Horeb where there was going to be a reading of a book, um, I believe it's called I Am Jazz, that uh, tells about you know, what it's like to be a transgendered student. And this book, was, uh, book reading was shut down by an out-of-state group conservative group that complained, essentially. And uh, last night, there was a reading to sort of make up for at the public library for this being shut down. And, and I believe it said around 700 people showed up, which is amazing, absolutely amazing. And uh, a shout out to everyone who got up and went. And, you know, obviously, all these people did not know that kid. And one of the most amazing quotes was, that could have been one of our kids, right? And that is that sums it up. And this is all about the forces of conservative intolerance. Remember, in their view of America, there are no transgender children. And by the way, everything's in black and white as well. So it's a father knows best world that never actually existed ever, actually. It just, it just exists in TV land. Uh, but this is great. I mean, 
there's tremendous progress. The reason they're going after transgendered kids, and they did that with the bathrooms as well, is because they can't go after gay couples anymore because they've lost. And so they try to stay just ahead of cultural evolution, where they find the next group that's not fully understood or accepted or is not to familiar people, and make that the basis uh, for their right-wing backlash and their div divisiveness and their blaming of, of, of people for not fitting into a cookie-cutter mold of, of, of what a, a human being should or should not be. They're coming for the Roberts next. Ooh, ouch. <laughs> they don't like pointy-headed intellectuals. They don't <laughs> that is super true. <laughs> well, I got nothing other than yeah, this is great. This is, it's, it's inspiring. We'll have a link to the article if you haven't read about it. Just It's, it's, uh, it's powerful. A lot of the quotes yeah. from people who showed up are, are really worth the read. And, and by the way, once transgendered people are fully accepted... Uh, and it's all very familiar. Uh, then there'll be Republican caucuses claiming to represent yes. transgendered people. You watch. Well, I guess you can't Absolutely. call them log cabin. Well, whatever, whatever the uh, euphemism is going to be. Well, I, you know, we've talked about the evolution of this issue. I've seen it in my family. My sister actually lives in Mount Horeb. She just moved there from Champaign. Um, she's not mm -hmm. any kind of flaming liberal. Her husband's actually a Republican. They they have four four daughters uh, that attend Mount Horeb Public Schools. And she took all four of them, I believe, there last night. And that's very powerful, right? That that's that's she's not an activist. They're not they're regular family. And and to see that they connected, um, I, to see that is it's it's very moving and it's the kind of thing that helps me keep doing this work, right? Change can happen and um, we have to stay focused and um, and so that that's uh, something that's inspiring this weekend. See, it shows a Catholic school education. And ah, the there you go. Can lead to good things. Yes. Um, but and by the way, that's a major upgrade for her because <laughs> Champagne is like a uh, cornfield, basically. Uh, and hey, the, oh, an Illinois yeah, the, shot. The driftless oh, region is oh, gorgeous. So oh. congratulations to your sister, As both on her activism. As Champagne, she's in a much happier place. <laughs> yeah. I would I would agree. Or as we as the Badger students call it, uh, shampoo banana. No, they they they've been there about a year <laughs> Champagne now. Champagne Urbana. Absolutely love Mount Horeb, and I can I can see why now. I have a, d a deeper window into why Mount Horeb might be a, a wonderful place. So with that, we are going to move to our weekend furloughs. Jorna, what are you doing this weekend? Well, starting tonight, um, executive podcast producer Brian Woldridge and I will be attending the Radio Milwaukee, our local radio station, oh, Music yeah. Awards. That sounds awesome. It's going to be fun. Is Brian up for an award? He is. He is. So it's Jordan, a video do tell of more. the year, actually. Their video, the Woldridge Brothers video of the year. Okay, we're we're gonna put a link to the Woldridge Brothers video on our podcast because, as people know, Brian is our producer and is extraordinarily talented. Do we need the censors to check it? Is it racy? <laughs> no. no. Okay. Because <laughs> if you guys could only hear the crap no that has to get bling. edited every week <laughs> that comes out of our mouths. So congratulations, Brian, on just being nominated. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, Robert, what are you doing? Well, I do have to travel uh, to the District of Columbia. Lovely. The Imperial Empire. It's a lovely place uh, this time of year. That's the empire of government. And then to New York in the middle of the week. Uh, this is like a four-day trip, the, uh, the, the capital of finance. Yep. Uh, since part of that, since my birthday occurs on part of that trip on next Wednesday. Happy birthday. I may or may not. I haven't figured out whether I'm celebrating birthday the weekend before or the weekend after, but it won't be during it, other than walking around New York on subways with my luggage. Well, look, I just hope I get an invite to your 40th next year. So, <laughs> with that, uh, 
This weekend, I am going to be going to Alabama. It's our third annual trip down to Decatur, Alabama. Jorna's playing a fake banjo right now. To all you Alabamans, yes, she is maybe insulting you. I have come from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Let me just say, I love northern Alabama. It's beautiful, and it's going to be about 60 to 65 and sunny. So all you suckers up here, actually, it's supposed to be nice up here, too. Going down there to do some racing with Ezra, and we always have a good time down in uh, Priceville, Decatur, Alabama. I believe the population will be cleaned out pretty much because of the Crimson Tide playing in the SEC championship game. Actually, last year when we were down there for for this race was um, the was Wisconsin playing Ohio State, and we were tracking the game from the track on that was awesome <laughs> on our phones, and it just got worse and worse. And I felt no shame or guilt of having missed that game uh, watching the races. So, yeah, uh, there you go. So another trip to Alabama, and with that, we will see everybody here at the Battleground Podcast next week. Bye.